Chapter thirty five of Certain Personal Matters. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. Certain Personal Matters by H. G. Wells. Chapter thirty five. The Pleasure of Quarrelling. Your cultivated man is apt to pity the respectable poor on the score of their lack of small excitements, and even in the excess of his generous sympathy to go a toynbee howling in their case. And Sir Walter Bassant once wrote a book about Hoxton, saying, among other things, how monotonous life was there that is your modern fallacy respecting the lower middle class one might multiply instances the tenor of the pity is always the same no music says the cultivated man no pictures no books to read nor leisure to read in how can they pass their lives the answer is simple enough as emily bronte knew they quarrel and an excellent way of passing the time it is so excellent indeed that the pity were better inverted but we all lack the knowledge of our chiefest needs in the first place and mainly it is hygienic to quarrel it disengages floods of nervous energy the pulse quickens the breathing is accelerated the digestion improved then it sets one's stagnant brains astir and quickens the imagination it clears the mind of vapours as thunder clears the air and finally it is a natural function of the body in his natural state man is always quarrelling by instinct not to quarrel is indeed one of the vices of our civilization one of the reasons why we are neurotic and anaemic and all these things and at last our enfeebled palates have even lost the capacity for enjoying a jolly good row there can be no more melancholy sight in the world than that of your young man or young woman suffering from suppressed pugnacity up to the end of the school years it was well with them they had ample scope for this wholesome commerce the neat give-and-take of offence in the family circle too there are still plentiful chances of acquiring the taste then suddenly they must be gentle and considerate and all the rest of it a wholesome shindy so soon as toga and long skirts arrive is looked upon as positively wrong even the dear old institution of the cut is falling into disrepute the quarrelling is all forced back into the system as it were it poisons the blood this is why our literature grows sinister and bitter and our daughters yearn after this and that write odd books and ride about on bicycles in remarkable clothes they have shut down the safety valve they suffer from the present lamentable increase of gentleness they must find some outlet or perish if they could only put their arms akimbo and tell each other a piece of their minds for a little in the ancient way there could be not the slightest doubt that much of this fun de siècle unwholesomeness would disappear 
Possibly this fashion of gentleness will pass, yet it has had increasing sway now for some years. An unhealthy generation has arisen, among the more educated class, at least, that quarrels little, regards the function as a vice or a nuisance, as the East Ender does a taste for fine art or literature. We seem indeed to be getting altogether out of the way of it. Rare quarrels, no doubt, occur to everyone, but rare quarrelling is no quarrelling at all. Like beer, smoking, sea-bathing, cycling, and the like delights, you cannot judge of quarrelling by the early essay. But to show how good it is, did you ever know a quarrelsome person give up the use? Alcohol you may wean a man from, and Barry says he gave up the Arcadia mixture, and De Quincey conquered opium. But once you are set as a quarreller, you quarrel and quarrel till you die. How to quarrel well and often has ever been something of an art, and it becomes more of an art with the general decline of spirit, for it takes two to make a quarrel. Time was when you turned to the handiest human being, and with small care or labor, had the comfortable warmth you needed in a minute or so. There was theology. Even in the fifties it was ample cause with two out of three you met. Now people will express a lamentable indifference. In politics again, but a little while ago, fat for the fire of any male gathering, is now a topic of mere tepidity. So you are forced to be more subtle, more patient in your quarreling. You play like a little boy, playing cricket with his sisters, with those who do not understand. A fellow votary is a rare treat. As a rule, you have to lure and humor your antagonist like a child. The wooing is as intricate and delicate as any wooing can well be. To quarrel now, indeed, requires an infinity of patience. The good old days of thumb-biting. Do you bite your thumbs at us, sir? And so to clash and stab are gone forever. There are certain principles in quarreling, however, that the true quarreler ever bears in mind, and which, duly observed, do much to facilitate encounters. In the first place, cultivate distrust. Have always before you that this is a wicked world, full of insidious people, and you never know what villainous encroachments upon you may be hidden under fair-seeming appearances. That is the flavor of it. At the first suspicion, stick up for your rights, as the vulgar say, and see that you do it suddenly. Smite promptly, and the surprise and sting of your injustice should provoke an excellent reply. And where there is at least ground for suspicion, there, remember, is the most. The right hand of fellowship extended towards you is one of the best openings you have. Not such a fool is the kind of attitude to assume, and you don't put upon me so easy. Your adversary resents this a little, and, rankling, tries to explain. You find a personal inference in the expostulation. Next to a wariness respecting your interests is a keen regard for your honor. Have concealed in the privacy of your mind a code of what is due to you. Expand or modify it as occasion offers. Be as it were a collector of what you are called slights, and never let one pass you. Watch your friend in doorways, passages, when he eats by you, when he drinks with you, 
when he addresses you when he writes you letters it will be hard if you cannot catch him smuggling some deadly insult into your presence tax him with it he did not think forsooth tell him no gentleman would do such a thing thinkingly or not that you certainly will not stand it again say you will show him he will presently argue or contradict so to your climax then again there is the personal reference meaning me sir your victim with a blithe heart babbles of this or that you let him meander here and there watching him as if you were in ambush presently he comes into your spring of course you say i saw what you were driving at just this minute when you mentioned mustard and salad dressing but if i am peppery i am not mean and if i have a thing to say i say it straight out a good gambit this and well unto him from the start the particular beauty of this is that you get him apologetic at first and can score heavily before he rises to the defensive then finally there is your abstract cause once very fruitful indeed but now sadly gone in decay except perhaps in specialist society as an example let there be one who is giving genially at some topic or other at japanese king crabs or the inductive process or any other topic which cannot possibly affect you one atom then is the time to drop all these merely selfish interests and to champion the cause of truth fall upon him in a fine glow of indignation and bring your contradiction across his face whack so that all the table may hear tell him with his pardon that the king crab is no more a crab than you are a jellyfish or that mill has been superseded these ten years ask how can you say such things from thence to his general knowledge is a short flight and so to his veracity his reasoning powers his mere common sense let me tell you sir is the special incantation for the storm these are the four chief ways of quarrelling the four gates to this delightful city for it is delightful once your prentice days are past in a way it is like a cold bath on a winter's morning and you glow all day in a way it is like football as the nimble aggravation dances to and fro in a way it is like chess indeed all games of skill are watered quarrels quarrel and soda come to see them in a proper light and without quarrelling you have not fully appreciated your fellow-man for in the ultimate is the train and complement of love the shadow that rounds off the delight we take in poor humanity it is the vinegar and pepper of existence and long after our taste for sweets has vanished it will be the solace of our declining years End of chapter thirty five recording by Greg Giordano Newport Ritchie, Florida